Welcome to the Account Experience Podcast. I'm joined with my regular co-host, Dave Barber. How are you doing, Dave? Good afternoon, Adam. Not doing too badly, thank you. How are you? I'm doing okay. Now, we had to substitute somebody last week, or the last two weeks. We had Camilla on board. Did you get a chance to listen to what she was doing? Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen just yet. Um, I was on holiday at my mum's house over in Cornwall in the UK. Uh, so um, so happy to, happy to be back on board this week. We've got uh, Chris Pennington, who's the Chief Customer Officer of Sugar CRM, coming up. I'm really excited about this. And Sugar's a great software company. It's been around for a long time, and they've really yeah. made some strides recently. I know that their vision is about bringing customer feedback into the software. So what are some of the things you're looking forward to asking Chris about? Yeah, well, I think it's always fascinating, especially you know, from our point of view, talking to another SaaS provider, how they deal with... How, how you know the people at the front line deal with you know comments and and feedback around all parts of the organization not just the parts that they can control when they're managing the relationship but also i'm a i'm an account manager and i'm a csm and i just got a zero because someone doesn't like the product how can i change that how am i not going to be afraid of those kind of feedback so really interesting to to dive in to see how they, they maintain the buy-in for those kind of people as well yeah, I'm also intrigued about that. And I've also heard that uh, that they've got quite a high net promoter score for yeah. support. And I'm hoping we can we can dig into that and get that from Chris because he's been a bit cagey about that. But I know that he's quite... I'm, sh- I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm sure we'll get it out of him. <laughs> well, looking forward to hearing about the challenges from Chris Pennington on that. We'll be back after this break with Chris Pennington. Hi, and welcome to the Account Experience Podcast. I'm joined as ever by a special guest from the world of B2B customer experience. And today, I'm really happy to welcome Chris Pennington, who's the Chief Customer Officer of Sugar CRM. Now, Sugar is a really well-known software company. It's been around for quite a few years, and it's really in the business of helping marketing, sales, and customer service teams achieve that, I don't know, high-definition customer experience by providing a really great CRM platform. And recently, it's won uh, an award. Uh, it landed first place in the 2021 CRM Emotional Footprint Award uh, by Software Review. So maybe we can get Chris to talk about that. And Chris himself is really responsible for the sugar customer journey. So I'm really excited to welcome him to the podcast and hear about the whole sugar CRM program. Welcome, Chris. Well, thank you very much for having me, Adam. It's terrific to be here. Maybe you can just start out by telling us a little bit about your role in sugar and the impact that you're having with your program. Yep, certainly happy to. So I'm very fortunate, Adam. I am um, made to look good by an amazing team around me. Uh, I have a responsibility globally for the customer experience for all sugar customers. Um, so we have a variety of customers, whether they are direct with us or through our partner channel. And my responsibility really extends to helping make sure that all of our customers get the most out of our software. And so a critical component of that is a feedback loop. And that feedback loop, uh, voice of the customer, is one vehicle in which we uh, try and engage our customers to hear what they have to say. So uh, it's one thing for me to set policy and standards and strategy about how we should uh, help our customers, but it's always good to get that reinforced or tweaked 
by feedback from customers and the voice to customer program really plays a central role in that. That's quite a challenge that you've got there, isn't it? I mean, was it something that was easy to come by? You know, was it, you say you've got a great team around you, but you had the vision to do this. I think um, the visions, uh, I think, and strategies are always best crafted in the rear view mirror. And um, there are certain aspects, I think, in, you know, you build up tenants or, or philosophies throughout your working career. And a lot of my philosophies have been grounded in a value-based um, strategies um, that, you know, you, you, you make the right decision for the right reasons, work hard and good things will flow from it. Now, there's obviously more to it than that. And, you know, if you look across, you know, if I look across the sort of span of my career, um, you know, I've started in the UK, worked for, you know, close to 25, 30 years in Australia and now for a number of years in the US. Um, you see common uh, aspects in the challenges that customers face with the, in our industry implementing software. Yeah. Um, and it's always nice to work with customers across different industries, but there's a lot of commonality in what customers are trying to achieve. And so, you know, you, you build up a, um, you know, a, a collection of philosophies and strategies and you do your best to implement them. And, you know, for many customers that works very well, there's, there's always some that, it, it, you know, you're never going to get it right. But I think for by and large, for the majority of customers, um, we do an excellent job, I think, in trying to help get them to achieve their objectives. That's what we're, that's what we're about, trying to make sure our, our customers are ultimately successful. Why don't we drill down a little bit into what is a typical sugar CRM customer? Because I think that will help people understand some of the challenges that you're, that you're up against. I don't know if you can have got a typical customer. <laughs> if only it were that easy, Adam. Um, look, our customer base spans uh, from very small organizations, you know, with a handful of um, uh, customers uh, and users, right through to some of the largest organizations uh, globally. Um, you know, we have a number of Fortune 10 companies using our software um, across, the, across the globe. Um, but really what our software is about is helping organizations, whether in sales, marketing or service and delivery teams um, help um, their customers. So that whole aspect of um, CRM or customer relationship management, or customer experience, marketing automation, um, that's the sort of things that we're helping our, our customers um, you know, achieve their outcomes. And, uh, you know, we, we certainly, from the standpoint of trying to make life easy for them, we want the platform to do the work for them. Uh, so often in our industry, uh, people have been beholden to the technology. Uh, and we're a firm believer that, you know, as a software innovator ourselves, we should be building technology that helps um, the platform do the work for them, uh, make life easier. And so, you know, across the board, whether it's a small organization, whether it's a large organization, whether it's in high tech or in banking or education, um, we have a, a very diverse customer base, um, uh, you know, in terms of um, what, you know, industries they're working in and what, what um, geographies they're, they're tackling. But ultimately, it comes down to a common set of, you know, they're trying to drive a sales process, they're trying to market their products better, or they're trying to service their customers. And so that, I suppose that horizontal element of function um, is a defining element in, in what we try and do, or even though we, we help a, a very diverse group of customers. I think that's a really good way of thinking about it. You're helping them uh, uh, with their business, with their customers. So how are you supporting them with the experience, Chris? I want you to sort of get into a little bit about, about the program, about um, 
you know, how you, how you really have this vision for the experience for a sugar customer? We, um, we said about, it's funny, we're talking about the strategy. We, we said about uh, devising a much broader customer experience strategy of which the voice of the customer is one component. Um, and it was driven largely from the executive um, uh, viewpoint that, you know, one of our major tenants, we have four, four major tenants, and one of them was generating customers for life. And this concept of how do you how do you generate a customer for life is baked into pretty much most of our decision making uh, across the board. So it starts from the CEO and the executive team down, but it impacts all parts of our business uh, wherever you function in the, in the organization. And so when we got to the voice of the customer program itself, we 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 did formalize it quite. Um, Significantly, we, we set about setting some program goals. We set about some objectives. So uh, let me just rattle off what the goals are. So the, the first thing we wanted to do uh, was build trust with our customers. We see trust as a fundamental component in what goes into building, uh, you know, this concept of customers for life. Yeah. Um, the second thing we wanted to do is we wanted to gain insight and understanding about what they were expecting and what customers' needs were. So it's one thing for us to assume we know what the customers need and then try and anticipate but we wanted to get that validated. We certainly, the third goal we had was we wanted to generate and acquire what we call customer advocates. So one of the things I've been very passionate about, particularly with um, you know, programs like net promoter scores is the, the MPS says, would you recommend us? And I'm always trying to get to the next goal, which is, can you please recommend us? Yeah. And so, um, you know, one of the goals for us is to generate those customer advocates. Obviously, we want to grow and uh, retain our existing customers. Um, you know, maintaining a relationship with existing customers is critical. You know, trying to help the health of our organisation and the health of our community by servicing those customers. And lastly, one of the, the, the fifth goal for us of the program was really about empowering our own employees to think through a, a customer-centric viewpoint. Oh. So by having a, a a feedback mechanism and then sharing that broadly throughout the whole organization it reminds each individual employee at the end of the day that oh yeah we're, we're here because of our, our customers and we're here to help service those customers to the best ability we can just to just to take it back a couple of steps there chris in terms of with the, the mps question as you say is is are you likely to recommend and you'd like to say yeah can you actually recommend? How are you, how are you bridging that gap? Because I mean, a lot of people happily say, I'll give a nine, I'll give a 10 in, a, in this hypothetical world. If I was talking with my friends about uh, uh, my, the CRM that I use, I'll happily recommend it. How do you actually then join those dots then and actually get them to recommend? And then and more importantly, then how do you measure that and, and gauge the success of that as well? Yeah, look, it's, um, the Voice of the Customer is not a program that's run in isolation. I said it before. Yeah. And, and another key aspect that we uh, in the customer experience team um, drive is our online community. We call it Sugar Club. And it's a forum in which uh, we engage customers for their benefit in all manner of mechanisms to communicate. So they can talk to fellow customers around the world. They can talk to sugar experts. They can get tips and tricks. Yeah. And so... We, we often link the two together. So what, the voice of the customer is a direct feedback mechanism. We're soliciting input. But the, um, our community, our sugar club, is a forum which we promote 
active exchange of ideas. So we try and tie right. the two things together. But I think um, beyond that, Dave, I mean, Adam, you mentioned it in the introduction. We were super proud to win the um, Emotional Footprint Award in 2021, coming first place. Um, and, and that award is given based solely on user feedback and reviews. So um, there are, you know, obviously we want feedback through the voice of the customer, but we also do um, encourage our customers to leave reviews online, G2 Crowd, uh, the emotional footprint with software reviews. Um, and, you know, I think we do a fairly good job of uh, encouraging our customers, give us your feedback, you know, feedback's the breakfast of champions. And, you know, yeah. you, you can't always get the right, it, it, I've said this many times, you have to be brave uh, in this situation, because you're not sure what you're going to get. Um, yeah. We get all manner of feedback. Some great, some glowing. Some is downright difficult to read sometimes, quite frankly. Um, and But all of it are nuggets of, of gold. It doesn't matter whether it's yeah. uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, it's always very helpful. I think it's a real... First of all, I love that phrase, that feedback is the breakfast of champions. I'm, I'm definitely going to use that. Uh, I can't but, claim that as my own one. <laughs> but I think, but it, you know, ultimately, I mean, we're all in the software business here, it's, and 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 Dave and I know that more than anything. You know, as customers ask for something, sometimes impossible things that, to to implement, or very difficult. And we always have to make difficult decisions about putting it in there. But I think your point about when there's a customer award uh, and they're looking for feedback, the fact that you are, how can I put it, you're 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 aware, you're prepared. For some of the things that can come along but if you have that regular really in-depth feedback program you are you can weaponize your response to it and and lance the boil so i'm really mixing my metaphors here you know but um but, but also to try to answer some of those things ahead so you can just take them off the table so i wonder you know what, what have you done to go back to your customers to to talk to them about some of the feedback you collected yeah, so um, it's funny, we, the feedback is, is shared both internally and externally. And, um, you know, initially, obviously, for every response we get, we go back to the individual that provided that feedback and, and close the loop, as it were, and have uh, our account managers and customer success team speak with the individual customer. But we've started to go beyond that. We've realized that if one, cust if one customer is asking or giving us feedback, it's quite likely they're representative of other people. You've all been in the room where... Yeah. Um, you know, one person asked a question, but actually 10 people were thinking it. Yeah. So I mentioned before about uh, Sugar Club, our online community, and where it's appropriate, what we're doing is trying to take the answer and publicize that in a more uh, wider forum. Yeah. Um, now, not every, every uh, question is, is appropriate for a wider forum, but wherever we can, we're increasingly trying to share that more broadly. Um, and that, that's been proven to be very helpful. We had... Um, questions about our pricing policy. Um, we changed the policy. We published it back out on our online forum. That was a great example. Um, the, uh, I think the other thing that we do is we do share it externally quite um, substantially. Um, we also share it a lot internally. So the feedback, I, I, I used to get, uh, um, I'm sure everyone does from time to time, um, you, you experience something and you get the survey coming in and occasionally I'd roll my eyes, and say, oh, I can't be bothered to fill that in. Well, I can tell you being on the other side of that fence, um, anybody that fills in feedback and leaves a comment in particular 
it's pounced on and, and read by the senior executive team, by the customer success team. We have a dedicated voice to the customer uh, team. Um, and I've changed my own view on the value of that. Um, you know, I, and I would encourage anybody listening, um, when you get a survey, do fill it in. It is priceless how um, valuable that is uh, yeah. to the people at the other end and what, and what to do with that. Um, so, yeah, I think one thing I would say is we do share that information internally and externally, as you suggest, Adam. Yeah. But, um, well, yeah, I'm sure we will always do more there. One, one thing you mentioned before, Chris, was around the uh, initial fear sometimes that people have of, of direct feedback coming in and, and facing up to it. And you said there that you're you know, sharing it internally, externally. Was, was, was there a few battles along the way to get to this very transparent point that you're at now? Yeah, I think, I don't know if I call it a battle, but it's certainly, you know, I think internally we had to do promotion to explain yeah. why it was helpful. And look, it's a fairly easy argument to win. Um, you know, like in any priorities in a business, you have to work out, you know, where do you focus your time and For senior sure. executives, you know, divert the time from time to time. Um, it was a fairly easy one to take to the business that, hey, we've got a raft of information from customers. Yeah. Would you like to read it and share it? Um, but I think, you know, we had to fit that into other priorities in the business and work out where. And, you know, it's one of those things that we have as a standing item once a, yeah. once a month for the executive team to review. Um, but I think it did take some coordination, Dave. It wasn't so much a, a battle, but it certainly yeah. we had the position to explain. But the rewards came pretty quickly, you know, um, for each of the and one of the things we did um, was we, uh, as I said, we actually formed a team around the voice of the customer program. So we have a couple of individuals that run the program, but we engage what we call ambassadors from each of the business units. So depending on where the feedback came, because it, it sometimes can be overwhelming for if all the workers seem to sit on the shoulders of the customer success team. And they're obviously interfacing with the customer, that's great. But we also wanted ambassadors from the product team, from the finance team, from the marketing team, from the delivery team to also read and action the feedback. Right. So um, we've got this, I guess, cascading layers throughout the business of who engages with the feedback. And that, that yeah. was driven by one of our goals. We wanted our employees to be increasingly customer centric. And that yeah. I'm very proud of. I think that's something that has helped us, helped everyone in the business better understand why customer sure. feedback is important. I think that's great because I think in terms of like successful programs that we see uh, or unsuccessful programs, likewise as well, it's when sometimes it's all going down to the account managers. And when yeah. you say, right, we're going to get direct feedback in account management, you have to take all of the heat from people that aren't happy with the product, all of the heat from people that aren't happy with finance, all the everything basically. And then you're going to struggle to get that buy-in straight away, aren't you? So having you know all of your other departments involved with it and taking that on board, I think that that, that must be really useful for, for getting that buy-in and helping the account teams who are the face sometimes not just feel alone and having to deal with all the, all, all the complaints. Yeah, no, it's very true. Chris, one of the things I... I Maybe you could just bring us back to the context in which your program runs in. Can you talk about the mechanics about how you do this on, on you know, transactionally or on a relationship basis? Yeah, got... We, we, we um, again, have quite a multifaceted approach. So uh, we've got you know, many thousands of customers. And so uh, we're very conscious that we um, don't want to overload either our customers 
or our uh, you know team internally with how to handle it. So we do um, a combination of what we call transactional surveys. So at the at a point in time following a incident, and uh, let's say it's a, a support case or a new sale, we will dispatch a what we call a transactional survey. And I come back to that. We've had huge success in that regard. Uh, and then more recently, we said, well, look, we don't just want to understand point surveys. We also want to get a, what we call a relationship uh, survey, which we, uh, you know, every six months we will ask a customer just how do you feel about this? So we divide our customer base into monthly cohorts. And each month we, we request um, they fill in a survey. Uh, and so um, there's a combination of surveys going on at any one time, whether it's, you know, I've, I finished the support call and what did you think of the agent or whether it's an account based um, experience, a relationship. And so we work through, uh, um, I guess, a, a fairly planned methodology and working through, make sure we survey everyone at least hopefully at least twice a year, uh, we get a touch point from them. That's really good. And so does that allow you to get a good picture of your revenue base by doing that? You're able to make sure that you're covering uh, companies from from all the revenue groups? Yeah, I think one of the things that we've really enjoyed actually working with Customer Gauge is actually having a focus on uh, where does the revenue flow from customers? Um, and, you know, it, it's, it's trivial to say, well, the largest customers pay the largest revenue, focus all your energy there. And, of course, that's, um, in many cases, there's some truth to that. But we're also perhaps looking at organizations which are potential for growth, uh, for potential for increased revenue. Um, you know, we're in a um, SaaS software business. And so our business relies, uh, obviously, on securing new business in the door, new customers. But also a critical component is supporting existing customers, uh, recurring customers. And so having, um, you know, survey information, which, uh, you know, gives us feedback, but also ties it to where the revenue is flowing, uh, does help us give a, I think, just a, another dimension on, you know, whether, you know, how that, how that feedback is um, uh, flows through the business. Yeah, good point. I think that's really true because if you and if you don't, I, this is my personal bugbear because if you don't do that, it's very easy to get distracted by the customers that seem to shout the loudest. You know, I call this cognitive bias. Uh, but if you, but you know, really for me, it's the ones who are not shouting, the one where you have no engagement. That's, that's what you really need to engage. Yeah, we talk a lot about you know the ideal customer, and uh, you know. Um, sometimes you want some customers are very engaged and hands-on want to talk all the time and some customers you never hear from and you know somewhere in between is probably the goldilocks um you don't want to have a customer you never hear from but equally if you get a customer that is um dominating um you have to look at some of the reasons behind why are they so um you know so, so, so engaged one of the things that you talked about was the the, the transactional versus um relationship uh, survey and one of the things that drew, drew us to formalizing the voice of the customer program was we for many years had tremendous success with our transactional NPS surveys, uh, unprecedented NPS scores. Um, and it was, I think, through that initial foray that sort of opened our eyes. We're, we're actually sitting on a wealth of information, which I don't think at the time we were really taking advantage of. And... Um, formalizing the program to include a relationship survey and, and broader feedback um, has really been beneficial. But uh, it's that transactional survey that 
really kicked us off in the first place, which is probably not typical for most organizations, I'd say. No, it's yeah. a good journey, I think. Yeah. And do you do you find you can you can track that transactional and it can help you pr- to predict your, your relational score as well in terms of what's happening, you know, in the here and now versus what customers think, you know, twice a year when you survey them? Um, I'd, I'd like to say yes, Dave, but I think the reality is we've got more work to do there to tie that together. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the things I think I said before, you know, the feedback is like nuggets of gold. And I think there's still yeah. more work we could do to mine and analyze how that um, obviously uh, impacts customer churn, customer satisfaction, uh, customer sentiment. Um, sure. So I think we've got the basis or the rudiments there, but I think we probably need to put more effort in, Dave, if we're truly to get the most yeah. out of it. Yeah, for sure. And, and do, you, do you think in terms of, you know, with, with running the program, do you think it's, you know, impacted one particular department in a very good way? Have, you know, customer success gone, wow, I don't know how I did without this kind of before or, or indeed product and, and finance saying, great, this is a chance for me to actually speak to customers and know what's going on. Have you ever you noticed any particular place where it's which had a great impact? Yeah, I think uh, across the board, I mean, it's impacted all the business units. Um, I think the one that's probably surprised yeah. me was finance. I don't think they initially thought, yeah. you know, that they would have an impact on end customers. Um, but we do get, you know, comments back about, you know, how we engage on, dare I say, an admin level. And that's not what you typically expect. So I think that was an unexpected and pleasant surprise. And it's nice to be able to go to the finance team and say, look, you know, what you do does benefit and impact our overall goals. Uh, obviously, the product team is is a standout. You know, there's always feedback about what customers like and don't like about the product and what they'd like to see more of. Um, our support team, uh, I mean, I champion this again and again. Our, our support MPS is un, unrealistically in the 90s. I don't know how we manage it. We you know um, we start it when we... Hold on a second. I just want you to repeat that again, Chris. <laughs> I think that's pretty good. So, so your support MPS is where? Our support MPS is in the 90s. And I, I had to pinch myself several times and look at the data to double check. And I, there's a story here. It, was never, it didn't start in the 90s, Adam. So we started our program probably eight or nine years ago. And when we first started, we were getting scores in the 30s. Then the next year, it went to the 40s, then to the 50s. And each year, we were able to increase it by uh, you know, a 10-point basis point. Now, for the last three years, we've been consistently... Um, hovering around the 90 uh, mark. Sometimes it goes down to 88 and up to 92. Um, and the reason we were able to do it is what drove us so much to looking at the voice of the customer program is we didn't focus on the score. We focused on the behavior of the support reps yeah. in terms of the support agents. And it changed the way in which they engage with customers. And we saw that successively build. Now, I've come into the organization, I've, I've only been here for the last few years, so I can't really claim success for that from my predecessors. But what I could see was, and it did take years, it did actually, you know, it took perseverance and it took you know, a collective belief, but you can see it, you know, and, and in the last few years since we've been engaged, particularly with customer engaged, we've seen a change in behavior from our customers uh, and an upward trend. And so what I would say is that um, one of the byproducts for me um, of the feedback is it actually then shapes the behavior of our team, which then drives a better customer experience. So it is cyclical, if that makes sense. No, I think it's re- that's really interesting because it's almost like you're driving the behavior of the organization from the bottom up by solving all of those 
support Casey in a really yeah. excellent way. And I'm just going to remind anybody that's listening to get an MPS in the 90s, almost everybody has to be a promoter. That means almost zero detractors, almost zero passes. You've got to get nine or tens on almost every survey. That's fantastic, Chris. Yeah, so one of the things I do with that, I uh, internally, I pull out, uh, you know, 60 to 70% of the comments. I can't send them all to the whole company. There's just too many. So every month I, you know, take a selection of all the positive comments and I send an email internally called Spreading the Love <laughs> and there's positive vibes because there are, um, you know, specifically with relation to our customer support team, they do uh, yeah. an exceptional job and it's often part of the business which doesn't always get the recognition but the customers uh, love us and they tell us, and that is, is gold for us. It's great. That's really terrific. That's a, I, can, I can really see how you change that. Okay, so that sounds great. What have the challenges been? I mean, you know, you can't make an omelette without breaking some eggs, I'm guessing. So to get to that high score, what, what, did, you, what did you learn along the way and what, what, what were some of the blocks that you had? Yeah, I think certainly, you know, we, we, we'd had tremendous success with our transactional MPSs and we said oh well we'll just start surveying relationship-based questions and we'll be off and running to the races and I think one of the things that uh, I learned very quickly is that the response rate from customers and driving that higher is still an area for us where we, we need to work a lot harder and encouraging customers that please take you know two or three minutes out of your day give us the feedback that trying to encourage customers that um, to take the time to fill it in yeah. remains i think a challenge i think on the transactional side it's you know it's, it potentially is easier somebody's just had a, an interaction with the support rep they sort the problem they're feeling good they fill in this response but to ask just out of the blue once every six months hey you know i know you've got a busy day but can you take time out and tell us how you feel about us um that, that that's been a little bit more challenging than i would have anticipated and so we've had to really embark on strategies to help customers recognize that you know, we are in a partnership, we are on a two-way street and it's called a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, if we're only ever talking at the customers and not talking with them, um, you're going to get a biased um, outcome. And so our, our challenge has always been trying to help customers understand that, you know, the more you can engage with us, the, the, the more likely we're collectively going to get more out of this relationship. And that's been, I think, the biggest challenge that we've seen uh, certainly in the last uh, 12 to 18 months. Yeah. Is there communication that you're doing with customers outside of, you know, sending the survey to them to, to really get across that point that, that, that it's worth that, that two or three minutes out of, their, out of their day to take the survey? Yeah, Dave, I think we could absolutely do more there. Um, obviously, we have our, um, what we call our quarterly business reviews, we, you know, with various yeah. customers. And we obviously do the marketing outreaches. Uh, you know, I'm always lobbying the marketing team and they're always saying, look, we've got a lot of messages to send to our customers. And so yeah. um, you, you're always tempered with how, you know, there's so much you want to tell your customers, um, but you need to balance that with um, mm. not overloading. So it's trying to pick the right time, the right message, the right um, medium, um, you know, and I think that's probably something we could do a better job of, I think. Yeah, I think that's always the tricky thing, right? I think once once someone goes through the process with you and they, they leave a survey, they get a nice quick follow-up from whoever it is, product or finance or, or indeed the CSM, and, and it's and they see it's worthwhile, then, then great, they're in then. They're going to answer your surveys in the future. But it's getting them to answer that first one and, and really experience that. That's, that. that's the key challenge there, isn't it? To, to make sure they, they see the value before they actually yeah. answer the survey. 
yeah, we, we've done some things along the way. You know, we, we did for every survey answer, we'll donate five dollars to a, a yep. charity, and you know, there's certain uh, you know hooks there to try and help um, drive it. But you know, at the end of the day, what I'm really looking for is authentic, genuine feedback. I'd like to make sure, sure our customers understand why it's important for them and for us to to have this. I'm going to call it a dialogue. You know, a two-way discussion um and that's you know that's our cross the bed at the moment that's what we we're determined to drive higher so yeah we'll uh, keep soldering on chris i'd like to touch on some of the, the the goals you have for the program you said that you wanted to empower the employees with feedback um how are you able to do that are you doing that through your own software system through sugar or through other methods and if and how does that land with them yeah, certainly. Uh, I would I'd recommend, obviously, uh, unselfishly, anybody that is running a voice to custom program to, to integrate it with the CRM. Thanks for the plug, Adam. <laughs> uh, but certainly, if you are running a voice to the customer program, if you can have that integrated into uh, Sugar, into a CRM solution, it actually gives you know people uh, greater access throughout the whole organization. But one of the things I think we also did was we... Um, so we, we appointed ambassadors within each business unit to take ownership and it was quite previously we were sending information out and saying this is what the customers have told us uh, and we changed the dynamic after about six or eight months we said but it's just not working the way we want so the content of the ambassador they own that feedback for their department and it's their responsibility then to take that back to various people and so we meet as a as a group regularly and i think um you know having this concept of of uh joint ownership of the feedback has really opened people's eyes to what it means to um, be a participant in the feedback loop um, and that's been really really positive but yes yeah, certainly i have to say um in any industry sharing data in a way that you know um is straightforward and easy i mean we have a mantra of um, no blind spots no busy work no no uh, roadblocks um and that concept of having data from customers that accessible to the, the account managers or customer success in their CRM system yeah. really does help as well when, when you're on the phone or emailing them or um, it, trying to make people aware that customer's feedback is important. You know, it, um, we exist because of our customers. And is that data shared right the way across the business? So an, an account manager in Seattle can see what's happening in Florida, for example? Yeah. Very much so. Um, you know, we, we operate on a global basis. Right. Uh, so we will um, share information um, in a variety of different ways. So it's one thing to have uh, people go and look at it on our, you know, internal SharePoint site. Uh, another point to have uh, it available on, you know, within the CRM system. Obviously, I do executive briefings and uh, updates. Um, you know, and we use that opportunity in, in town halls or what have you to, to, to highlight that. And I think one of the, one of the points that, I think it's important as we have our CEO talking about it, you have myself as chief customer officer talking about it. So intrinsically, you know, employees understand, oh yeah, perhaps this is important. And I think for us, I mean, we're a customer relationship management software vendor. So um, inevitably it runs through our veins that, you know, yeah. customers, customer feedback, customer experiences, it's, um, it's a key part of who we are and what we do. I think that's something I've been very impressed with your organization because you know, your vision of CRM is, is, is very much to take the internal part of the, uh, you know, the, the customer, sorry, the internal facing data, but also to layer on these external um, 
data points. And I think too many organizations operate in silos and they never expose that customer experience data to the front line. And I think you've done a really good job of doing that, Chris. No, I think I appreciate that, Adam. And I, look, I believe in transparency and sharing. And, you know, it's very difficult. We all bring our own perspective to a, to a situation, whether it's uh, us as a vendor or our customers or our partners. And so if you can make information more readily available, and that's, you know, I've plugged our community sugar club before. And I think that's a, there's a good aspect there that it's a forum where people can share and you get different perspectives and people say, oh, hadn't thought of it like that before. Or that's an interesting idea. And every time I talk to a customer and say, what is it you want? Most customers say, we want to know how other customers are engaged and how are they doing things? So, you know, the feedback loop for us is, is one mechanism where we can perhaps share that you know this is what we're learning from this customer have you seen similar things yourself i'd like to sort of draw the conversation to a close a little bit by, by thinking ahead and chris i was really stimulated to something you said earlier on which is you know you want to acquire customers through advocacy so with all of these nines and tens you're getting all of these people saying yeah i'm likely to recommend that to a colleague but what are your plans to harvest that or, or to go forward I said previously that um, the voice of the customer is part of a, a much broader initiative to you know, generate customers for life. And a subcomponent of that is an initiative we've started called Hashtag Raving Fans. And um, the concept behind Raving Fans is uh, often as an organization, you uh, look to your customers or the organization to be a reference. And we've identified that in addition to the company, there's often users within a business who love your product, uh, who are great advocates. So we want to give them a voice. We want to make them raving fans. So in addition to the company or the customer that might be a reference, we're also trying to encourage um, individuals to um, you know take up the banner. And so we, you know, we, we um, have gamified it. Uh, you know, the more they participate, we give them points. They can redeem those points for swag. Um, we give them the opportunity to um, participate in customer events and conferences. Um, and we really want to give them a voice. So, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a, we've got a multi-pronged strategy around building customers for life, of which the voice of the customer is, is one component that gives us that feedback, but it then it bleeds into other um, initiatives, should we say, and uh, certainly customer advocacy um, is something that uh, holy grail, I suppose, in terms of referenceability um, or referrals. And um, so we're trying to really breathe life into that uh, in a formalised way, rather than just hoping it will happen. Um, Have you started to measure that at all? Um, bit early to measure. Um, you know, we've got, um, in, in reality, we've been crafting the idea and formulating it over the last six months. Uh, we started launching it um, more formally in the last two or three months. Um, check back with me in a year and I'll let you know, Adam. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. I, by the way, I don't think you're right. I think many companies struggle to measure it. We, we're not very good at measuring it perfectly either, but I think that we have somewhere between 15 and 20% of our business comes through us through referrals. So for us, it's a huge thing. And I think this is really a, this is the goal, I think, if you are really a net promoter activated company, that you can really start to make it that two-way dialogue and say, and, and, and say, well, what can we do to help you recommend us? And, uh, yeah, no, and totally. No, and you know, we want to make it a two-way street. 
Um, you know, it's we obviously we want people to advocate for us, but we're also happy to provide a platform that, you know, maybe highlights somebody and advances their career or helps them drive, you know, better outcomes for their customers. Um, you know, we're we're in the customer game, <laughs> and so it's not just you know we want to uh, customers to advocate for us. We want them to recognise the power of you know generating customers for life. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's try and close, Chris. But if you, if you got three tips for people who might be starting this journey in the SaaS business uh, for putting, for, 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 for taking the customer experience. Three tips. Well, I have one tip that I was thinking of, but I'll repeat it three times. Uh, no. <laughs> um, I think the, the, the tips I would say, the first one I would think of is persevere. So, um, and be, and, and recognize you're on a journey. So you'll send out the first uh, survey and you may not get the responses you'd like or the, the response level you'd uh, want to achieve. Um, but, uh, you know, what we've seen and demonstrated is that if you persevere with it, if you put energy into it, it does reap reward. You know, it, it's a bit like climbing a mountain. You have to take a series of steps, but it's, you do climb and you do get rewarded at the end. So biggest tip I could say across the board is persevere. The second one I think would be absolutely... Uh, make sure it's a program that's understood throughout the whole organization. Uh, I think you mentioned before, Adam, sometimes the, the weight of it is carried by the customer success team. Uh, and one of the things we've recognized is that customer feedback is everybody's game, not just customer success. Uh, so, you know, irrespective of the team. Um, and I think the third thing I would say uh, is back to the customers. Close the loop quickly. If somebody gives you yeah. feedback, mm -hmm. respond rapidly. Um, can't tell you how, um, you know, what a difference that's made, uh, both as a recipient myself when I've filled in surveys, but also as an organization seeing the response from customers. So, yeah, I guess those would be my, my three tips for you, Adam. That is great. I'm writing those down. Chris, thank you so much for your tips and tricks and the story of your customer experience in Sugar Sierra. I've really learned a lot today. It's been a real pleasure to have you on board. Um, thanks a lot. And we look forward to hearing more from your program. Hey, Dave, how about that? Chris was really open about his program, wasn't he? I tell you what, CRM is an interesting place, sir. I think so. Yeah. You know, we've got a few CRM clients. It's really interesting to see that. You know, I love the, yeah. I love the fact that CRMs are now beginning to embrace the idea of bringing the customer experience into, into the software. Yeah, I just love that it was also everyone's responsibility. It was, it's not just something that the CSMs or account managers have to, have to deal with these kind of comments or feedbacks. Finance are getting involved in closing the loop, product teams closing the loop. Uh, I'll, I'll be sure to speak with our CFO tomorrow to make sure he starts closing the loop with our customers as well. I, I really like the thing that how transparent Chris was and really that score of 90. Yeah. Um, I'm really, I'm going to get Chris to write about that because yeah. I'm convinced he's right because we can also, you know, help him audit that. But that is really impressive. That's For nice. support as well. So that's an, a score of 90 from people that have dialed in to complain. Well, we know all about that. It's really hard to get <laughs> isn't it? Exactly. So I think it's really, and I think a couple of things, I reflect his tips about, you know, persevering and just making sure that the program's understood. And what was the last one? Yeah. I think I'm just really, I'm in really interested to see how they get along with, um, you know, actually monetizing and measuring their promoters. 
to see, you know, it's all very well someone saying, I will recommend. Okay, have you recommended? Can we measure this? How much money are we making from this? I think that's great. Let's follow up with Chris in six months and see how he's doing. Hey, uh, Dave, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Happy as always. I know you're struggling with a bit of a cold over there. Um, And uh, catch up with you soon. On our next uh, guest is going to be from uh, Rentacom. So I'm really interested. Thought it.